Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about private school fees. I mean, it's stated in the obvious that private school education is expensive. And if you're considering sending your kids to private schools or unsure or you're intending to do so, I thought it was good just to um, have a look, a deeper dive on what is the cost in real terms, uh, what some alternatives to consider, uh, and then putting the cost in perspective as well as then talking about how to plan for uh, that up and coming cost. Now, before we get into it today, of course, the public versus private school decision is a very personal one. Uh, and it's influenced by many considerations, including money, including the financial. I acknowledge that there's, for some people, uh, the financial considerations uh, will be towards the bottom of the list. There might be a whole heap of reasons why uh, you want to send your ch child or children uh, to a private school other than the financial. But of course, this is a financial podcast. Uh, and of course, I'm only going to talk about the financial implications. So um, please don't take this commentary as any kind of sort of judgment around the uh, cost benefit of uh, private school education. It's merely just to uh, look at it from a, a wider perspective. All right, so let's talk about the cost first of all. So uh, there's many uh, different private schools. And of course, depending on where you live, you know, if you're in Melbourne, Sydney, they're probably, and you know, they're in the top 10 schools, they're probably going to be expensive. Uh, but of course, if you live in a regional area or somewhere else, uh, quite often uh, they're not as expensive as, uh, as they are in Melbourne or Sydney. But if you look at the top 10 schools uh, in Melbourne, for example, uh, currently fees range between thirty dollars and $40,000. Uh, so it's pretty expensive. But there's uh, two things to be really mindful of. Uh, firstly, on average, uh, we tend to find that school fees increase by about 5% per annum, or at least maybe it's between 3 and 5. Uh, when we do some planning for clients, we, we like to assume that they increase at 5%. And so whilst they might cost between thirty dollars and $40,000 now, you know, 10 years from now, they're probably going to be forty-five dollars to $60,000. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. Uh, the second thing to keep in mind is that's just the base tuition fee. Uh, of course, there's a whole heap of other expenses such as uh, uniforms, uh, books, laptops, uh, excursions, camps, and and so on. So you really need to add an extra 5 to 10% on top of the base tuition costs uh, to provide for those expenses. So what is the total cost then if you plan to send your child only to secondary private schools? So let's go, which is quite common. Um, a lot of clients will send their kids to a public primary school and then a, a private secondary school. So if you had a child today that you intended to eventually send them uh, from year seven onwards uh, to a private school, and at the moment that school costs, say, $30,000 a year, so towards the lower end, uh, and we provided for 5% uh, of additional costs, again, to, towards the lower end. I have worked out projecting forward, assuming you know, 5% uh, fee increases, that the total cost of that education, that six years of secondary school, will cost $400,000. But if you discount that in today's dollars, it's $270,000. Now, of course, if you have more than one child, uh, that you plan to educate at a private school. It's going to be multiples of that. 
Uh, and of course, if you plan to send them to primary and secondary private, uh, then again, it's going to be multiples of that figure uh, amount. So, but $270,000 in today's dollars, you know, it's a lot of money uh, to provide for, of course. So then let's consider some alternatives, which is really the, the purpose of this uh, podcast topic today. Uh, so if you don't have access to a good public school, of course, you could move into a location that provides you access to a highly rated or regarded uh, public school. And according to research by Domain, and they do uh, update their report every year, and the link, of course, is in the show notes, uh, it, these locations tend to provide much higher capital growth rates, which makes sense, right? Because of the increased level of demand, not because, not only because of the locality of the the um, property in terms of its normal attributes, uh, access to arterials, amenities, those sorts of things, but if that is also a good location and also then has a uh, a good quality private uh, public school in that locality, of course, it's going to benefit from higher demand. Uh, So in those locations, and I'm really talking about the public schools that do have a really good reputation, um, it's not unusual or unreasonable to expect that the capital growth rate in those locations could be, you know, 3% or so higher, um, could be much more, in fact, uh, 3% higher than um, uh, locations that don't offer that, that sort of schooling. Uh, In fact, Domain um, concluded this year that uh, some locations can grow 10% higher in that that particular year which they looked at. Uh, So the growth rates can be quite significantly higher in those locations. So then, of course, as a numbers person, I like to look at all the evidence. I, I wanted to do a little bit of a case study. So let's assume that to move into uh, an area with a great school uh, will cost you an extra million dollars. So what I assumed in my financial projections is that if your current home was worth one and a half million, but you had to spend two and a half million to get in a good school zone, of course, you'd have to go out and borrow an extra million dollars and that loan would be non-tax deductible, of course. So from that perspective, a bit more expensive. The repayments on that, the principal interest repayments on a a million dollar home loan uh, over 30 years is about $68,000 a year. Now, if you purchased or did that upgrade when you first had the child, because of course, you know, property tends to trend higher in terms of cost. So the sooner that you can make that move into a particular school zone, the better off you'll be. Uh, So if I'm talking to a client that has very young children, so uh, many years away from going into secondary school, I'll try and think of ways in which we can implement that change sooner rather than later to enjoy that capital growth. So let's assume that you do the upgrade, you sell your $1.5 million house, buy for $2.5 million in the school zone when your child is first born. I worked out but by the time that you um, that the child finishes secondary school, uh, you've accumulated $3.6 million in today's dollars of additional equity, which is uh, quite a considerable return, of course. Um, but of course, you could have done something else with the money, uh, that is the repayments that you otherwise would have contributed. So putting aside the school um, education decision issue for a second, if we had have instead of um, bought that upgraded home, but instead put that $68,000, say, into the share market, uh, what would have happened is that in today's dollars, by the time your child would finish school, 
you were your portfolio net of all taxes would have been worth $1.36 million. So in fact, doing the home upgrade and going into a school zone is actually a quite a good investment, um, notwithstanding that it helps you solve the private school education thing because you could have, because your cash flow otherwise would have accumulated let's say 1.4 rounded numbers versus 3.6 so you're miles in front by doing the home upgrade of course your equity is locked in your home uh, so you need to consider that in your uh, financial strategy but from a taxation perspective just because of compounding capital growth and the fact that the growth in our home is tax-free uh, it actually ends up being a good investment as well as helping you solve the uh, child education decision. Now, just as a bit of a theoretical example, and also, I guess, to put the cost of private school education into perspective, I asked myself um, if a private school education costs $270,000 today in today's dollars. That means that if we had $270,000 in the bank, we've provided for the, the you know future education of our child. What else could we do with that $270,000? So I worked out that that $270,000 would be enough to meet the holding costs of a $900,000 investment property. So again, this is obviously not related to, you know, how to educate my children decision because we're putting that aside for a second. But so instead of saying, well, instead of me spending that money on uh, a private school, I'll go and buy an investment property. Well, if you did that, uh, and assuming that the property grows at, say, 7%, so it's an investment-grade property, uh, and even uh, it would be worth in 19 years, so when your child finishes school, it, the property should have grown from 900 to 3.25. If you then go and sell that property in 19 years when your child's finished school, uh, repay the loan, repay capital gains tax and so on, you'll walk away with $1.1 million dollars. And that's in today's dollars, by the way. That's a pretty big graduation gift, isn't it? Not suggesting you give it to your child, but you know you could certainly give them a huge financial head start. I think this scenario, and it's not really realistic, as I said, because it doesn't really consider how you will educate your child um, or put any value on you know that the, the potentially improved education as a result of uh, them going to a private school. But it does put the opportunity cost in perspective. You know, the two hundred seventy thousand dollars in today's dollars could actually make uh, turn that into one point one million dollars in nineteen years. Of course, in uh, the future dollars will be more, but one point one million in today's dollars. So a bit wordy, and there's a lot of figures there. So if you've if I've lost you at all, certainly refer to the show notes or the blog on the website. But it does give you an indication, or give us an indication. Uh, that the opportunity cost is quite high uh, with respect to private education. Okay, so how do you fund, you know, if, you, if your intent is to send your children to, to private schools, of course, you need to think about, well, how am I going to pay the fees? How am I going to afford it? Uh, I mean, my first observation would be when working with clients, quite often they perceive that their earning capacity uh, and surplus cash flow will improve over time, particularly as you know you don't have childcare costs and kids are a little bit older and and a little bit more independent and so forth. Uh, and then also you factor in salary increases or career progression. Uh, and quite often, what we do we we can project that maybe clients will be able to pay from day to day cash flow. So that would be the first consideration. Do you anticipate being able to do that? If you don't, then of course you're going to have to um, save some money between now and then to sort of supplement your cash flow. 
The best way to do that is to park that cash in your home loan. Because of course, if you make extra repayments, you save interest and the interest rate is really a risk-free return. You're always going to generate that saving. And if it's a home loan, that's an after-tax saving. So in fact, to get a better return, you've got to um, more than compensate yourself for the tax and also the risk because future you know, investment returns aren't guaranteed. So really, if you've got a home loan, park all your savings in there. If you don't have a home loan, you could use a, an investment bond. So, you know, there's a provider called Generation Life. I've got a link in the show notes. Uh, they can be um, uh, good alternatives in that situation. However, what I like to do when working with clients and building a long-term investment strategy is I like to prioritize building wealth for retirement whilst at the same time accommodating private school education fees. So I don't want the private school obligation to come at the risk, if it's all possible, of compromising uh, the individual's retirement because, you know, obviously that's not going to make anyone happy. Uh, So that's why building a long-term plan helps you, you know, put things in perspective tick some of those lifestyle um, goals that are really important to you, but at the same time feel really comfortable that, you know, it's not coming at at the potential compromise of your uh, future retirement. Okay, bit of interesting one today. As I said, there's a few figures, so feel free to have a look at the notes. But until next week, bye for now.